Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, another crazy week, another exciting week, another sorrowful week. Uh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. He's all over, not just our country, he's all over the world. Uh, I'm sick of hearing his name. I'm sure you are also. I'm sick of hearing all the problems he puts us into. Uh, Every week I I open with the same line, just as I've just uh, set forth for you, and I try to talk less and less about him and about other things, because other things are going on in this world. Maybe not as serious, but more interesting, lighter, and so forth. So let's see where tonight's show takes us. I know we are going to go, how's this, my friends? We're going to go to California, Ethiopia, uh, Libya, Turkey, Syria, Iran, the United States, Key West, and I don't know where else. So let's start with California and the fires. Uh, There's a point I wish to make about the fires tonight. They're disastrous. There's no question about it. I've never seen fires this large in California. Uh, this is as bad. They are the fires are as bad as a hurricane. I know hurricanes. I've been down here in Key West for 30 years now. Been through several. Just went through Irma two years ago. Wrote a book on it. There are only two books written on Irma. I wrote one of them. Irma and me. How that hurricane chased me all over Florida. I could not get away from it. Uh, but after these things pass, people have nothing. And I'm thinking, my God, it is like a hurricane, perhaps worse. The houses are burned to the ground. Uh, the people have nothing. They don't even have, all they have is the clothes on their backs. Uh, they need, they need everything you need if you have a similar disaster, like a hurricane. They need water. They need food. They need, need medical supplies. They need a, need a tent to sleep under. Uh, they need a place to a facility, okay, to go to the bathroom. They need diapers for babies. Uh, they need everything. And, uh, my God, this has all got to happen in a large area covering California. I don't, I, I don't recall what the number is. It's the number of houses already destroyed. Uh, and to the people who have no place to live. Now, you know all this. The point I want to make tonight is, though, we're not helping people properly in this country anymore, whether it's a hurricane or a major flood or a catastrophic uh, fire as they are having in California. A city, a farm area, a county, a state do not have the wherewithal, do not have sufficient money to take care of the needs of their people on an immediate basis or a long-term basis to recover from these disasters. We have to look to the federal government. We have always looked to the federal government. Now, for whatever reason, be it climate change or what, I don't know, we are having more disasters. We are having more floods. We are having more hurricanes, let me tell you. We are having more tornadoes. And obviously, we're having the fire of all fires out in California this year. The federal government has to step in immediately with big dollars, big money. And Trump will go out there and he'll take a look. And he'll say, don't worry, folks, we got the money, I'm going to take care of you. 
three months from now, nothing happens. Uh, they do a little bit up front to look good, but as time goes on, the government, the federal government, does less and less and less. And the reason is we have too many of these disasters now, and we don't have the money to take care of them, to help our people. But the reason we don't have the money is no one has been paying attention to this desperate need, which is occurring more and more every year. And I don't blame Donald Trump alone. He doesn't worry about these disasters. In fact, he cut money out of it last year, I think, out of the budget uh, for natural disasters when we need it. We should be putting money in every year. We should have these accounts where we know something's going to happen, and and we see to the future, and we take care of it by putting money aside, putting money in the federal budget. Now, I don't blame just Trump. He screwed up on it. And I'll tell you this, Obama and his predecessors also, they forgot about natural disasters. Money went someplace else. Well, somebody's got to take a look at this and do something about it, and bring some money back into these accounts because these are our people that are going without in California for the next year. Here in Key West, it's more than two years later, September, let's see, September 10th, 2017, uh, was Irma us here. Do you know there are people still without houses? People still living in tents? People still don't have running water? Still don't have toilets? Yes, that's the way it is here, because even though people have insurance, it takes insurance companies a million years to decide how much they're going to pay you, and it's never enough. But they're not there the day after the hurricane or after the fire to help you and write you a check. Uh, and the federal government can't come in and help, and these people are still out there. They, they become our forgotten people. They're like homeless people. They're our forgotten generations, okay? So all I'm saying is we've got to move our asses on a federal level to pay attention to this. We should have a czar for natural disasters and make sure there is enough money to handle these situations. That's my preaching for the moment. Now I want to talk about Benito Mussolini and Donald Trump. Uh, I want you to think of these two guys. Mussolini, you know, a hero in Africa pre-World War II, um, supposedly a hero during World War II, and Donald Trump. They both have similar bodies. They're both fat. It's the only way you can describe it. Think of the both of them. Guts. They both have big faces, those big jaws. Mussolini and Trump have those firm jaws, large. Uh, Mussolini didn't have any hair. Trump has hair. Uh, he might be better off without it, though. His hair do and the color of it. So they're similar in those fashions. Now I, I want to I talk about how they don't pay attention to anybody. They, they are know-it-alls and how it's be, disaster has befallen uh, their countries because of this. They're birds of a feather, Mussolini and Trump. They don't listen to advice, and they don't listen to anyone. On October 28, 1940, Italy invaded Greece. At that time, remember, Italy and Hitler were hand-in-hand. They were allies, okay? Hitler was the smart one. Mussolini wasn't that smart, but he had an army, and Hitler was using him. Now, Italy invaded Greece. It turned out to be a disastrous military campaign for Mussolini's forces. Mussolini surprised everyone with the invasion, even his buddy Adolf Hitler. Hitler told Mussolini, do not invade Greece. Mussolini assured Hitler, 
I have no intention. On the very day Mussolini invaded Greece, Hitler is reported to have contacted him and told him it was, and I quote, a major strategic blunder, a major strategic blunder. Hitler wanted Mussolini to concentrate on Africa. He had already had his major victory in Ethiopia. Isn't that wonderful? They'd be, this makes me laugh, but uh, Mussolini went in with his tanks and airplanes and beat the Ethiopians on their camels. Amazing, isn't it? Anyhow, if Hitler wanted the Italian forces, and properly so, to continue fighting in uh, Africa and to fight their way to Egypt and the Suez Canal, which was important, obviously. Uh, now, Mussolini was accustomed, though, to doing things his own way, my way or the highway, you understand? He thought he knew everything. He failed to even advise his military chief of staff he was invading Greece. Can you imagine? Doesn't Donald Trump do things like this? His chief, chief of staff found out from news releases following the invasion. Mussolini's generals warned against the invasion. He failed to heed their advice. Mussolini was convinced he could de defeat Greece in a matter of days, militarily and for another reason. He had set aside millions of lire to bribe Greek politicians and generals. And that's Donald Trump also. Donald Trump isn't bribing people, but he, he thinks he's going to do something and accomplish a result of, because of some oddball approach to it, like Mussolini was going to bribe the Greek politicians and generals. You know how long it took the Greeks to push Italy out of their country? One week, one whole week, and the Italians were out of Greece, back to Albania from whence Mussolini had commenced the invasion. Mussolini spent the next three months trying to keep his army and himself alive in Albania. During the same time frame, half of the Italian fleet, this is wild too, was crippled at Taranto Bay by a British carrier-based attack. Mussolini was humiliated. Hitler was pissed. He had to change his war plans. No longer could he depend on at least fighting the African battle. He had to send his own troops in, troops he had planned to use elsewhere. Now, what follows, and what I'm going to say next, is not intended to reflect on Trump. I merely wish to show how authoritarian figures, despots, could end up. On April 18, 1945, Mussolini, with his lady friend, was attempting to escape to Switzerland. They were caught. Italian partisans shot and killed them both. Their bodies were taken to Milan. The dead bodies were hung upside down from a metal girder at a gas station in the Piazza Loreto in Milan. The Italian people spit, beat, abused, and shot at the bodies, dead bodies, hanging upside down. Two days later, Hitler committed suicide in a bunker in Berlin. Amazing, they both won at the same time. Uh, and that's the story. They're birds of a feather, these two men. And when I, when I read the story of uh, the invasion of Greece and the aftermath of what happened, I says, Mussolini is step by step, word by word, ounce by ounce, Pound by pound, he's Donald Trump and vice versa. 
Okay, we're going to go now to Syria. The day after Trump announced ISIS leader Baghdadi had been killed, I wrote in my blog uh, that the devil should be given his due. Trump should be congratulated. He had finally accomplished something of value. In his almost three years uh, in office, he's only had one result, all right, the tax bill. The tax bill that was going to cut the taxes and put money in the pockets of the middle class and the poor people, and it didn't. It put, it, it put money in the pockets of the rich and the corporations, uh, and he hasn't done anything. He has screwed the people the whole time he's been in office, and people still, still support him. I cannot understand. Anyhow, I figured he went in there and he killed Baghdadi. That's big, and you've got to give the devil his due. Now, in the last few days, and that isn't very long since I said give the devil his due, I have become uncertain. Is Baghdadi really dead? His underwear and a blood sample allegedly taken from the site of his death to test for DNA could have been acquired from another source or place. Uh, Trump has reported that Baghdadi was crying as he ran down the tunnel. How could he even see him in the tunnel? Why was he crying? Death he could not have feared. If he was killed, there would be 21 virgins waiting for him. The number I am not sure is accurate. You are all aware, however, that Muslims fighting for their religion do not fear death. Their heaven will be a glorious one. Uh, Forget not also that Trump has generally failed to tell the truth in the past. Uh, There are five previous instances where Baghdadi's death has been reported. He was killed. This is what they said, and he wasn't killed. He was killed in a U.S. airstrike on June 12, 2016. He was killed in a Russian airstrike May 28, 2017. He was killed in a Syrian attack June 11, 2017. An Iranian leader reported, and I quote, he's definitely dead on June 29, 2017. A Syrian observatory for human rights confirmed his death September 11, 2017. And he was most recently reported killed last week on October 26, 2019. Now, not that Russia's word is any more reliable, but Russia announced yesterday it was not aware of Baghdadi's death. The Russian defense ministry said Trump's report was merely propaganda. Now, it's tough when you're forced to believe either Trump or Putin. Both are liars. I think Putin's the better one and has been more successful lying, but they're both liars. Liars. I will continue to accept Trump's announcement of Baghdadi's death, though my belief, I must be quite frank, is waning. Then we talk about troops. Troops, troops, troops. Trump said, what, two weeks ago on a Sunday night, he talked to Erdogan on the telephone and said, I'm getting my troops out of uh, uh, Syria. They'll all be out tomorrow. Go ahead, do whatever you want. Terrific, isn't he? Uh, and he didn't tell anybody. That's where he, he's similar to, to Mussolini. A lot of his military people didn't even know he was doing that, his closest advisors. He did it off the top of his head. All right. Uh, now he announces yesterday or two days ago, two weeks later, that he, our people are all out now, that he was sending back in U.S. tanks and troops 
to protect the oil. First time we're hearing about the oil. Two weeks ago, he purportedly pulled all the troops out. After a few days, it appeared he had done so. He sent them to Saudi Arabia to be used there to help the Saudis if necessary. Now Trump is back in Syria, in the north, in the Kurdish lands. Lives have been destroyed and persons displaced because of Trump's concession in a telephone call with Erdogan on a Sunday night that he would pull those U.S. troops out of Syria. Trump's action in that telephone call and since reflect a mental attitude similar to Mussolini's as set forth earlier by me. Russia announced that they had tanks and soldiers going into Syria to protect the oil a couple of days ago. Now, I have written and I have spoken, and I'm proud of this, in the past six months, several times, maybe more than several times, that the Syrian conflict was over oil. In the last six months, I have been saying the Syrian conflict is over nothing else but oil. I was right. It is. Trump and Putin are racing in to protect the oil. Iran and Turkey expect some of it, if not all the oil. And Trump, he's saying, maybe we can make a deal and we can all share Putin has said the United States isn't going to get any of the oil as his tanks and troops are going in. Good luck. I can't see Russia, Iran, or Turkey wanting the United States as a partner in the oil. In the next two weeks, there probably will be an interesting confrontation regarding the oil. One final point regarding the oil. We don't need it. The United States does not need the oil. We have enough oil today from shale that has put the United States on top of the world production-wise when it comes to oil. Now, everyone has also forgotten the Kurds in the coming oil dispute. They want a piece of the action, too. Okay, let's move on. I'm going to talk a little bit about Key West tonight off and on also as it comes to mind. Uh, this is a Key West show. Uh Sometimes I don't even talk about Key West, but we just had Fantasy Fest. Fantasy Fest is a 10-day social festival occurrence that happens every year at this time, roughly the 10, 12 days before Halloween. Uh, And it's a little raw, not bad. It's gotten better over the years. And a lot of people come down here to party. We have toga parties. We have... Uh, body painting parties. There's a little bit of, uh, eh, you know. Anyhow, we have a parade on Saturday nights, big parade. Anywhere from 60 to 80,000 people come to the parade on, six, on Saturday night. CBS reported uh, that the Fantasy Fest parade this past Saturday night uh, was 60,000. I, t- I didn't attend. I talked to some I know who attended. They thought the crowd was smaller than normal. The $60,000 figure was not accurate. If not accurate, it was probably 50000 Still a hell of a lot of people. Now we're going to have another party this weekend. The Parrotheads, they're called. From Thursday through Sunday, their 28th anniversary, the Parrotheads are Jimmy Buffett lovers. It's a fan club. And they're referred to themselves as Parrotheads because of the goofy hats they wear. They represent, though, another breed of America. They do. Opposite from fantasy festers. Fantasy festers are hard drinkers, uh, sexually (laughs) 
attuned, attracted, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I'm choking at it. Uh, it's a little wild down here for Fantasy Fest. You'll find during Fantasy Fest some of our people, uh, a lot of women are bare-breasted, nothing. Others are totally bare, uh, nothing, nothing. Everything's painted, but not, no pasties, no, nothing over the crotch. Uh, and they're heavy drinkers. Uh, however, parrot heads are a different breed. Uh, none of them will go bare-ass to bare-boobed. None of them are heavy drinkers. They're conservative Americans. And this is their weekend. It's going to be a different weekend down here. A ton of people, not as many as Fantasy Fest, but it's going to be another party weekend with conservative America. A great white shark has been reported off Key West Shores. A great white shark has been found to be off of our beaches here. A 2,000-pounder, 15 feet, 5 inches in length. The shark was tagged with a tracker last year. That is how we know here in Key West that it's out there. No one has seen it yet. Uh, bad stuff. Bad, 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 bad stuff. Okay. I'm going to talk about masturbation. This really takes the show way out a little bit tonight. Uh, did you know there was a time people were told they could cure masturbation by eating cornflakes. And did you know that those cornflakes were discovered or prepared by the Kellogg brothers? Kellogg's cornflakes that are sold today were, were put out on the market 18, 1920, 1900 as a cure for masturbation. It took off as a breakfast cereal instead. The story is basically this. Masturbation we know is disgusting to some, a pleasure to others. In today's era, it's more acceptable than not. There was a time a century and more ago when theologians and physicians described masturbation with terms such as heinous, deplorable, and hideous. Two persons who decreed or decried masturbation were the Kellogg brothers, again, discoverers, founders of Kellogg cornflakes. The purpose of the cornflakes was to cure masturbation. I kid you not. I wrote an article for Conk Life, which was published on June 5, 2016, titled Cornflakes Cure Masturbation. In 2019 alone, there seems to be, and this year, in this year alone, there seems to be an influx of articles, the basis of which involves masturbation. All of a sudden, magazines, good magazines, are, you know, popular ones, prominent ones are talking about masturbation. Uh, these, these are magazines of prominence. Titles of the articles, such as How to Masturbate, how to stop masturbating, females in masturbation, myths about masturbation and relationships, how to masturbate for women. I masturbated every day for a week. What's it like to go to a masturbation coach and masturbation tips for women? Uh, so I'm discussing with you my, the contents of my article from back then, and it's a bit of lunacy is involved. Uh, groups through the centuries have condemned sex, okay? Religious groups. Sex was a vice. However, in the 18th and 19th centuries, sex took a second seat to masturbation. I'm not including masturbation and sex. It was not included at the time. Sex was bad. Masturbation was second. Now in the 18th and 19th centuries, masturbation was number one. Masturbation is practiced by both men and women. 
Religion was a motivator in decrying masturbation. From time immemorial, the Judeo-Christian tradition has had a negative attitude about people touching themselves. Then came the Victorian era and the Great Awakening. The extreme prudishness of these eras created the perfect storm for people to become obsessed with masturbation, masturbation also known as onanism. Soon masturbation was considered not only a moral failing, it was also a physical and mental ailment requiring medical assistance. You heard me. Had to go to the doctor if you masturbated. Treatment and cures. John Harvey Kellogg was a physician. In the late 1800s, he was superintendent of the Battle Creek. That's where Kellogg comes from, near cornflakes. Battle Creek, Michigan. He was superintendent of the Battle Creek Sanitarium in Michigan. Popular and respected, he was considered America's newest and most prominent health guru. His upbringing was as a a Seventh-day Adventist, the group Anti-Passion. Dr. Kellogg believed sex was bad for the physical and mental well-being of his patients, of people in general. The sanitarium served a strict vegetarian diet, no alcohol, tobacco, or caffeine. The doctor believed that spicy and sweet foods increased the passions. The intestines and bowels were also important in caring for sanitarium patients, okay, and other people uh, who enjoyed Dr. Kellogg's ways. Uh, To understand Dr. Kellogg, you have to understand his mental perspective, why he thought masturbation was a solitary device and self-pollution, the way he lived. Though married, he was celibate. His marriage never consummated. He and his wife had separate bedrooms. Their children were adopted. Dr. Kellogg had an enema administered every morning of his adult life. He lived into his 90s. Maybe we should all try it. He wrote successful books on the dilatory effects of masturbation. Two interesting quotes from his novels, novels follow. Quote, if illicit commerce of the sexes is a heinous sin, self-pollution is a crime doubly abominable. Ooh. And, quote, neither plague nor war nor smallpox have produced results so disastrous to humanity as the pernicious habit of onism. Such a victim dies by his own hand. What an observation. Such a victim dies by his own hand. What a way to go. Dr. Kellogg, as well as much of the medical profession at the time, bleed and masturbation caused leprosy, tuberculosis, heart disease, epilepsy, dimness of vision, insanity, idiocy, death, cancer, urinary diseases, nocturnal emissions, impotence, defective development, fickleness, bashfulness, bad posture, acne, palpitations, and I don't know what else. Dr. Kellogg saw the need for a healthy, ready-to-eat, anti-masturbatory morning meal. He accidentally invented cornflakes in 1894. A patent was obtained in 1896. A company was started to mail cornflakes to customers. With the advent of cornflakes, Dr. Kellogg was feeding it to patients and guests. In addition to other procedures, he developed to ensure their clean intestines. An enema that ran water through the bowels followed by a pint of yogurt, half the yogurt delivered by mouth, the other half through the anus. From the early 1900s to the 1920s, many famous people attended Dr. Kellogg's sanitarium for treatments. Some I cannot understand. Understand? No, the sanitarium was anti-sex, anti-masturbation, and for clean intestines and bowels. 
and attendee was President Warren G. Hardy. I find his participation is amusing. History depicts him as one of our presidents that enjoyed sex the most and played around and cheated on his wife. Historians are clear regarding his sex escapades with his lady friend, Nan Britton. They frequented, frequented, I'm sorry, a White House closet off of the Oval Office to do the dirty deed. Other frequent guests at the sanitarium included movie star Johnny Wallace Muller, one of the first Tarzans, Henry Ford, Amelia Earhart, etc., etc., etc. So that's the story of where we got cornflakes from. Eventually, uh, he and his brother started a business just to sell them uh, for a breakfast cereal because they could make more money as opposed to taking care of the masturbation problem that was affecting the population. Uh, that's the show for tonight. A little bit different. Topics a little bit different. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed sharing them with you. Uh, I do a blog every morning. Please read it. KeyWestLou.com. 70,000 people subscribe to my blog. You heard me? It's good to read. It's quick and it's interesting. KeyWestLou.com. Okay, my friends, this is Louis Patron. I'm signing off from Key West, Florida. I hope you enjoyed the show this evening. I look forward to being with you again next week.